thinking, you know, uh, it's kind of like uh, what, what uh, one of the kings said to Paul, that his great learning has made him mad, you know. Sometimes that what happens in the churches. Our great learning makes us mad in the sense that uh, we no longer believe what the word says because we've, we've learned too much. Uh, and so uh, we have to balance everything out that we learn. You know, any, to me, anything that, that, that um, tries to do away with the supernatural, I'm always suspicious of that. Any, any teaching that tries to do away with the supernatural, I'm suspicious of, of the teaching and the person teaching it uh, because <clears throat> why are you trying to get rid of the supernatural? You know, uh, is, not, is God not supernatural? Well, sure he is. Is he still not supernatural today? Sure he is. Uh, and so people who don't believe in the supernatural power of God will do away with it. Well, that went away with the last apostle, you know, that sort of thing. And, um, of course, there's no, that, that phrase I've heard many times, you know, that healing is done away with the last apostle, tongues is, was done away with the last apostle. Even though there's literally no scripture in the Bible, in the New Testament, that says, when the last apostle dies, here's a list of things that are going to stop operating in the church. There's no scripture, no doctrine like that at all. And yet people ha- have uh, said that that stopped. And, and, of course, you know, you can make the counterpoint that, um, okay, because uh, sometimes agreeing with people is the best way to, to show them how wrong they are. You can totally agree with them that, yes, you're correct. When the last apostle dies, uh, that all these things will be done away with. Uh, and so, first of all, there are still apostles today. Uh, and you can make that case by Ephesians 4.11 that, that he's given the fivefold ministry gifts, including the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, for the perfecting of the saints, well, do the saints still need to be perfected? They do, right? So there are still apostles. For the work of the ministry, does the work of the ministry still need to be, need to be done? Sure, so there are still apostles. For the edifying of the body of Christ, does the body of Christ still need to be edified or built up or made strong? Well, sure, so therefore there are still apostles today, amen? People say, well, there's no more apostles today. Well, based on what? But, uh, you know, and in fact, someone was telling me that the names know someone who says, there are no more prophets today. Uh, and, of course, you know, that's the same story that no more apostles or prophets, you know. For some reason, pastors and teachers are okay, evangelists are generally okay, but not apostles and prophets, which is just odd because why, why are you picking out those two, right? And I understand that those two, those two positions in the body of Christ are, are really, you know, uh, from the Lord's perspective and from looking at the Word of God, they are the highest positions in the body of Christ. And so, uh, you know, they don't want to... Uh, they don't want to give anybody that, that position, even though the people aren't giving people that position. The Lord's giving people that position. Uh, and so there's a lot of just, you know, there's a lot of foolishness in the church of people just, well, I believe this. You know, well, I don't believe that. Who cares what you believe? You know, what's the word of God say? You know, you know uh, the, the concern I have is when you can look at a verse of the Bible and, and it's clear, it's not difficult to understand. And you can say, I choose not to believe that. That is a tough place to be, amen? And yet, how many people in a church uh, will do that? You know, they'll read the Bible, you know. Uh, you know, uh, I thank God I speak in tongues more than you all. I don't believe that, you know. Uh, and they all spoke with tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. I do not believe that's for today. Uh, and, you know, it's, uh, <clears throat> you know, the Lord Jesus himself, God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, all three of them piling up on you cannot change your decision. Only you can change that decision. Amen. Uh, he, he can create the universe with a word, but he cannot change the hearts of a man without his man's uh, choice being involved in the matter. Amen. Uh, and if your heart chooses not to believe, 
then there's nothing the Lord can do about it. There's literally nothing He can do about it. Um, you know, He can uh, He can continue to grant you uh, revelation, but the revelation still has to be received. You know, He will He will continue to grant you revelation that yes, uh, supernatural events do occur today. What do you think about it? I don't believe that. And then tomorrow He will reveal to you that yes, supernatural events occur today. Uh, what do you think about that? I choose not to believe that. Okay. What do you think it's going to do the next day? He's going to come back again. Supernatural events occur uh, today. What do you think about that? You know, he's going to continue to, to, um, to kind of a, uh, well, I was going to say attack, but maybe that's too strong of a word. But he's going to continue to uh, uh, present revelation that counteracts your doubt and unbelief. But at the end of the day, uh, faith in its essence is a decision on your part, right? It's not more complicated than that. It's not difficult to understand. You know, I can't tell you how many people say, oh, I wish I had faith like you had. I wish I had, you know, strong. I don't have, or they say, I don't have strong faith like you have. It's just a decision. It's not, it's not difficult. It's just, I read the word of God and say, well, you, uh, you said that you heal, so then I choose to believe that you heal. That's it. It's not really hard, you know. Well, you know, how, how do you believe that? Uh, because he said it, you know, I mean. Do you believe that God is a man of his word? Do you believe that when he says something that he never goes back on his word? Well, I mean, uh, do you believe that God cannot lie? Well, we all say those things, but when, when we're confronted with something that maybe is different than what we believed yesterday or different than what we were raised or different than what we observe in the world, then reconciling what we see in the word with what we observe in the natural realm or have experienced in the natural realm, sometimes that conflict comes into play and we, we just can't believe the word. Even though... All those other things uh, have no bearing on whether the Lord is, is telling the truth or not. You know, if nobody ever got healed, is God still the healer? Sure. If nobody ever got saved, is God still the Savior? Well, sure. I mean, the Bible says that for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, right? That whosoever should believe on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. But whosoever should uh, believe on him, what if nobody believed on him? Is he still the Savior? Did he still go to the cross? I mean, potentially, uh, you know, he did all that work and nobody could have accepted it, right? Everybody could have gone, no, nah, I don't think so. You know, he could have done all that work, spent thousands of years and all the time and effort to bring salvation to the world. And all he did at the end of it was present that to the world and said, now, uh, it's yours if you'd like it. If you don't want it, it's no, uh, no problem. I, well, no, not no problem, but uh, if you don't want it, I can't make you take it. But I can show you that it's available to you for free. Uh, and... So there's a potential that nobody could have accepted it, right? And it's the same thing. That's the truth with any doctrine, right? Uh, healing is for today. What if nobody gets, gets healed? Still so, amen? Deliverance is still for today. What if nobody gets delivered? It's still so. Uh, financial prosperity is still available today. What if nobody is ever, uh, ever breaks uh, above the poverty level? It's still true today, amen? Uh, and so I don't measure God's... Uh, faithfulness to his word by the things I observe in the natural realm. To do so is folly and it's presumptuous and it's usurping a position that I stand above the Lord and I judge his words in the sense that uh, uh, my judgment is based upon what I observe in the natural realm and that the Lord is required to prove that he'll do his word by things I can observe in this natural realm. And, uh, you know, now the Lord did say, prove me, right, uh, back in Malachi, but in that context, he was basically proving me that if you believe my word, I'll do my word. 
And that's okay to, believe, to prove the Lord like that. Well, Lord, you said this, you know, then I'm going to believe that. And this is what I expect. That's perfectly fine because is he not a man of his word? He is a man of his word, right? And so um, I'm going to switch over microphones here. We're, we're ordered a new microphone cable, so hopefully that will get him put you off along. And that way we won't have all this popping and cracking going on. But, uh, and so, uh, you know, faith is not a difficult topic, amen? Uh, anytime I hear people say, I wish I had faith like you, you know, I think that's, to me, it's, it's more often than not a, a cop-out because it's usually dealing with a specific topic, right? Not general faith, like all the faith that I have in every area of my life, but one specific thing like forgiveness or love or, you know, healing or something like that. Well, then all you got to do is take that one topic and, uh, you know, people have told me I, I just can't forgive. Well, is that true? That's not true, right? You just just a choice like anything, amen? Uh, and so... Um, anyway, I encourage you, you know, uh, you know, the Bible says that we are supposed to be humble servants of the Lord. And one of the greatest aspects of being a humble servant of the Lord is reading his word and yielding to that word. When his word says something, then yes, sir, that's exactly what I believe. I don't believe anything else. I believe what that word says. I don't believe that it's constrained. I don't believe that it, it expired. I don't believe that it quit working. I don't believe that it, it only works in some cases, but in other cases. Uh, and, you know, th- I look back on when I got saved, I got saved uh, in a word church and never grew up in church. So, you know, I really didn't have anything to unlearn, right? I never was taught, well, you know, Grandma says God, you know, God helps those who help themselves, right? That's not really a Bible verse, right? That's not, you know, uh, well, you know, the Bible says, you know, uh, Meemaw said uh, uh, God won't put any more on you than you can bear. You know, the Bible doesn't say that, right? It literally doesn't say that anywhere, right? Uh, and, and so... I didn't have to unlearn really anything when and when I so when I heard the first time that God is a healer, I just assumed that he was a healer because I read in a word that, you know, I am the Lord who healeth thee. And I just assumed that's what he meant. I, you know, there was no there was no. Well, you know, uh, that's not what I learned over there. That's not what I learned over here. That's not what I learned over there. That's not what so and so said to us, you know, and I never thought about, you know, judging that by what, well, you know, so and so didn't get healed. You know, uh, so and so didn't get healed. I, I just assumed that it's so. And that it's ours, you know, if we choose to believe it. And, and that's, and I've lived that way all of my Christian life. And it's really, you know, some people say, well, it's, it's really naive. You know, it's not naive. It's just, it's a, a humble response to the word. Amen. If the Lord says it, then yes, sir, I believe it. I, I don't, you know. Now, no doubt there's things, you know, you've got to work out. You know, the Bible, in fact, we read in Philippians that you've got to walk out your own salvation uh, in fear and troubling. Work out your own salvation in fear and troubling. And so, you know, you do have to work it out sometimes, especially if, if your flesh is in conflict with some things. And uh, walking in love, you know, there's just things you've got to to practice, you know, on a regular basis to make sure that uh, uh, you're doing what the word says. And, uh, but it was never it was never a well, this does this doesn't work or this is not for us today or this expired. You know, I, re- I rarely uh, and really can't think of any time I've ever thought that. There have been plenty of times when I thought, Lord, I, you know, I'm not doing this. I should be doing this. This is still so, and I need some help to be able to do this better in my life. And, and you know, that's fair. That's, that's part of uh, your Christian life. Amen. Uh, and so, and, and really, and, and Paul is kind of getting to this. Uh, let's let's over, open up our Bible's book of, book of Philippians, uh, chapter 3. We'll continue there today. Uh, <clears throat> we, had, uh, we had talked about verse 4 last week. It says that I might have that might also have confidence in the flesh. If any man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, 
I more. So, uh, uh, so Paul is saying, look, you know, uh, you know, from Paul's perspective, what he, the point that he's trying to make here is, is, is earlier he said, I have no confidence in the flesh. And then he's going to make the case that, you know, I could have confidence in the flesh because some people could make the case, well, Paul, you're dumb as a brick. You've got no skills, no talents. You know, you're desperate. All you have is to believe God. Well, and, and you know, some people think that that's what makes a good minister. And I've told you before that you know, people have told me that if you can do anything in the world besides preach, then you're not qualified to be a preacher. So, and they were, they were saying that, implying that to me because I have an engineering degree and you know, I worked as an engineer for many years. And because I can be an engineer, I therefore am not qualified to be a minister. Does that make any sense to anybody, right? So what they're saying is, if you, if you have the ability to have confidence in flesh, then you should have confidence in flesh and not have confidence in God. Well, that just doesn't make sense at all, right? Uh, and, so, and, 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 and so what they're applying is that only those who have no reason to have confidence in the flesh can be ministers. So only people that are dumb or uneducated or you know, no talents and abilities. I, I don't know. You know anybody that actually like that? I mean, it's rare, right? I mean, sometimes, you know, you can find somebody very bad at, at doing, you know, book learning, but, you know, can can build, you know, the, a skyscraper with their bare hands and, and blindfolded, right? Well, okay, so they can't do this, but they can do that, right? Some people, you know, are terrible at books and terrible at building things, but they're amazing musicians, right? You can hear any note and play any song and and, and so they've got amazing uh, skills in that area. Some people, they can uh, pick up any book and learn whatever that book says and, and ex- exercise that book, but they couldn't find their way to the front door, right? And so maybe they're really good at that area, but, but it's rare that you find anybody who can't do anything, right, who literally can do anything. And, and um, uh, John Wesley was preaching to a bunch of ministers one time, and, of course, you know, John Wesley was, was hundreds of years ago, right? And, and uh, he said, you know, you all are of the opinion that that uh, if you're not smart enough to be an accountant, if you're not strong enough to dig a ditch, then all you can do is be a minister. He said that's completely the wrong mentality. He said it should be the smartest, the brightest, you know, the, the most able people should be ministers. And, and even though he said that, you know, I still disagree with that to some extent because basically the people who should be ministers are who? People are called, right? I mean, so what if you're the super smart? Uh, if you're not called, you shouldn't be a minister. So what if you're super smart? If you're called, what should you do? Then be a minister, right? I mean, your intelligence, whether it's your academic learning or, or skills or talents, have got no, no bearing on your calling, amen? Now, I believe the Lord will use whatever talents and abilities you, that he's given you from, from before the foundation of the world to bring to bear that that's going to be part of your ministry and the, and the things that you do. Not that you have confidence in that and in, in those abilities to get you over but the Lord's going to use those skills, you know, if he, uh, if he invested putting those skills and talents in you, it would be, un, it would be unusual, although it's not po- un, impossible, but it would be unusual for the Lord to say, well, you know, you're an amazing singer, but I'm going to have you minister. You never sing again the rest of your life. It would be really odd, you know. Uh, I know a lot of uh, ministers who are an amazing singers, and they will sing as part of their ministry, right? They'll maybe sing a song as part of that or, or even um, um, in, their, in their preaching. You know, Brother Randy you know, he, he was never a professional singer, but he's got a really good voice. And every now and then he'll sing a song in the middle of service, you know. Uh, how many songs have you ever heard me sing in service? Like zero, right? Like zero, you know. I've been doing this in 2008. Zero times have I stood up here and sang a song during service, right? Uh, and so, 
I did lead singing once or twice, you know, in, in a desperate uh, move there. Uh, and um, it, it was sad and desperate, wasn't it? Amen. Uh, but, um, you know, sometimes you've got to do what you've got to do. But I've never, I've never sung any songs in the, as part of, my, of the ministry, right? as part of me ministering the Word of God or, or ministering at all. And so it is not there, right? I mean, it's just there, you know, it, I've never gone up to, well, okay, at this point in time, I need to sing. And, well, Lord, I got nothing. That, that unction has never been there. It's never been like, okay, you need to sing now. Well, what do I do now? Uh, that, that unction's never been there, amen? And uh, for Brother Randy, the unction will come up, and he'll sing. He'll sing, you know, maybe a uh, chorus or two or a line or two of a song as part of his ministering, and, and that's great. He can do that, right? Never had that unction. I mean, and it's not like I've resisted the unction. It's never been there, amen? So if it's not there, then it's, you know. And, and more than likely, I mean, you know, the Lord can do anything he wants to. More than likely, I'll, it will never happen, amen? Now, if it happens, you know, the Lord, you know, maybe sometimes he wants to have a good laugh. You know, he might do it. Uh, but, um, but so, uh, you know, and I, this phrase about having no confidence in the flesh, I have meditated on this, on this phrase so much because I see so many areas in our lives where this is a true statement, that, that we have confidence in the flesh. And one of the areas, and, and I know I've mentioned it before, kind of passing, but it just, it just really has settled in my heart because just like I was telling you, well, like the doctor said, uh, what do you attribute your good health to? The Lord wants us to be healthy. I think you should eat fruits and vegetables and nuts. Okay, take a cold shower every now and then. Okay, well, what is that? So you're saying that my health is dependent upon what I do in the flesh. You know, I've got to go eat fruits and vegetables and nuts, and therefore, if I ha- do those things in the flesh, then I can have confidence that I will be healthy. He said, I'm the Lord that healeth thee. He said that if the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwelleth in you, it shall quicken or make alive your mortal body. Didn't he say that in Romans 8, 11, right? If the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, it shall quicken your mortal body. Is that not a true statement? Right? I mean, that's what he says, right? He didn't say, and, and you must walk your 10,000 steps a day. And you've got to drink your eight glasses of water a day. And you've got to get at least eight hours of sleep a day. And you've got to eat fruits and vegetables and nuts. And you got Now, does that mean we can just do whatever we want to? No, because uh, there is other scriptures that, that are brought to bear in that mentality that, uh, for example, one of the fruits of the Spirit is, is moderation, right? Temperance, moderation. So that means you can't do anything in excess. So... If you never eat fruits or vegetables, is that excessive? That's kind of excessive, right? If you only eat meat, nothing else, no potatoes, no, no just meat, just dead meat, that's all you eat, you know. Meat for breakfast, meat for lunch, you know. You, uh, I mean, you go down to uh, KFC, they used to have the sandwich, right? It's a piece of chicken and then meat and another piece of chicken. And that was the sandwich, right? It was like a meat sandwich. And, and that's all I eat is meat sandwiches. I don't even know bread, that's for, that's for sissies, right? Uh, meat only. Well, that's excessive, isn't it, right? If all you did was eat donuts uh, morning, noon, and night, what would that be? That would be excited. That would be, that would violate the principle of moderation, wouldn't it? Amen. And so, uh, so we're not having uh, we're not having confidence in the flesh. We're just, you know, if we if we feel like we're we're you know like now uh, like my pastor when I first met him, he would drink like five or six, uh, maybe less sometimes, maybe more sometimes, two liters of coke of, of soda a day. Two liters a day, multiple two liters a day, a day, right? Now, that, that violates the principle of temperance, doesn't it? Amen? I mean, it's a, you know, I'd have to just work hard. At, I mean, that'd be like a goal. 
just, okay, I'm going to try and get through five. But, you know, just all day long, he'd, he'd well, that's excessive, right? Yeah. And, and that's, uh, uh, so should, uh, do you, should you have the attitude, well, I'm going to prove that the Lord heals, that Lord keeps me healed by never eating another fruit the rest of my life. Well, what are you doing? Well, you're still having confidence in your flesh that your flesh is going to ignore fruit and, and that you're going to have uh, that confidence that by not eating fruit, you're going to still stay healthy. Well, that's still misapplying your faith, right? And that's excessive, and that's, that's out, of, out of the balance of the Word of God. Uh, and so, so what is the balance of the Word of God? Do everything in moderation. You know, the way Brother Hagin always said it, and I like the way he said it, he said, he said, I just eat whatever I want. He said, I just don't make a hog of myself. And whatever he eats, he, he ate in a moderation. He lived to be 86 years old uh, and was healthy until the day he passed. Amen. Yeah, and, and um, uh, you know, I just, now, look, I got, I, got no, I got no problems with people liking fruits and vegetables, you know. Chris is about 80% vegetarian anyway because she just loves fruits and vegetables, you know greens and nasty stuff like that right she she eats all kinds of stuff yeah, and um and i like fruits and vegetables in fact i eat a fruit today and and um you know i'll eat them as i as i see fit and i like a lot of uh, raw vegetables and some uh, cooked vegetables uh, and um uh, but i don't have a law there's no law right and some people oh you know you can't eat that you know you can't eat this and it's just odd to me because they, uh, people think that they had it way better in Paul's day than, you know, because they didn't have all those hormones. Yeah, but they had, like, botulism and, you know, nasty water, you know. They did wash their food in the same water that they took a bath in, right? I mean, you know, they're, they're nasty stuff, right? They go down to the River Jordan, you know, wash their food, wash their clothes, and wash their bodies, and then wash their fruit, if they even wash their fruit, you know. And, and you don't think there was bugs on that fruit and, you know, uh, all kinds of uh, diseases, you know, there's... Uh, we got it way better, amen? Now, the reason why civilizations have, have, have uh, blossomed in the world, a big portion of it is because uh, of uh, the water systems. You know, the water systems are filtered water, right? And uh, I mean, I'll, never, I'll never drink, you know, tap water, you know? Uh, and, um, uh, well, you know, I mean, that's tap water right there. I drink it all the time. But uh, you do whatever you want. I don't care. You're none of my business. But, um, but you have to review in your own life where is your confidence, right? Where is your confidence? Is your confidence in the flesh or is it in the Word of God? And my confidence in the Word of God, in the whole council, right? I'm not going to pick and choose and say, well, I can just tempt God and just live, you know, on, on crackers every day, right? Or, or donuts. I've got a donut diet, you know. Well, that would be excessive and that would violate other principles of the Word of God. So you can't do that. You have to live a balanced life in what you do. Amen? Uh, and, and so... I know one time Chris and I were, were going somewhere to eat, and I said, where do you want to go, right? That's always the great, the great debate, right? Where do you want to go eat? And basically, what that, what that I figured is I just, wherever you want to go, because I'll eat, I'll eat something there. Uh, and so, so well, I, want, I want to eat something healthy. And we've said that probably a hundred times, right? But that one time that she said that, you know, just rose up in my heart. Well, if we really do believe that when we bless our food, that it's sanctified or set apart or made clean by the Word of God in our prayer, then is it not set apart and made clean by the Word of God in our prayer? If it is, then by definition, all food would be healthy. Now, you know, there's probably doctors turning over in their grave just by me saying that, right? You mean, you know, you can't eat trans fat and this and that. And I mean, how, how uh, I, I don't remember which, which year it is right now, but is this a year that 
that coffee is good for you or bad for you. I don't remember, you know. What about, what about eggs, right? Eggs are good for you or bad for you, right? Uh, and salt was a killer, right? But now, you know, they think salt's probably, you know, a good thing in moderation, right? Like anything in moderation. Yeah. And, and so, you know, it's just, uh, wh- why is that true? Because they don't really know everything. Amen. We don't trust anything they say, but, you know, uh, for how many years did they push multivitamins in everybody? And then they did an exhaustive, long-term, very wide-ranging study on vitamins. And you know what they found out? They don't do anything for the average person. Vitamins do nothing, literally nothing. And if you noticed, all of the commercials changed, right? Because it used to be, you know, the vitamins were, you know, there's healthy things. It makes you feel better and all this stuff. And now it's just like, this is good. This is just good stuff, right? Brain function or whatever. But if you notice, a, a lot of the uh, a lot of the uh, uh, commercials for vitamins have gone away entirely, and the ones that do uh, that are there, they're very very bland, right? As far as what they tell you, the effects of this this vitamin. Now, for certain people, like you know, pregnant mothers, they found that you know taking vitamins for what's what's the uh, what's prenatal vitamins, but there's something special in there that uh, helps you, right? Whatever the, it's in the prenatal vitamins. It's it's helpful for the baby and the development of the baby, and they've done studies. And but even that, you know, I mean, you you got to follow your own heart and the word of God, amen. And so, uh, uh, and look, if you take a vitamin, I don't care. No, no, take a vitamin, you know, no problem at all, amen. Uh, and so, but we have to review on our own self. Where are we having confidence in our flesh that my flesh is going to get me over? That the things I do in this natural realm will get make me successful. That whatever I set my hands to in this world is what's going to cause me to to uh, prosper and stay in health and and if and if that list of things is only in the natural realm then you are having confidence in your flesh i uh, you know unless i exercise an hour a day i'm not going to live a long life right Uh, and um and so you know you have to find that out for you now look if the lord tells you specifically to do something you know hey for you you need to drink more water if the Lord told you to do that, then what should you do? Well, drink more water because that's not of the flesh. He's telling you to do that, right? Remember when Hezekiah, when they prayed for, when Hezekiah was sick, and the Lord told Isaiah, go and take a fig, a fig, uh, and and put it on on his on his leg there. And you know, uh, some people tell you that they think it was a boil of some kind that was on his leg, causing him to be sick, uh, and, and that the fig caused him to get well. And the Lord said, you know. Uh, then you you got 15 more years because of this. Well, uh, I mean, as far as I know, first of all, I don't think figs have any kind of medicinal purposes, right? You know, oh, yeah, you know. Some people, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think there's any any special magic potion in figs, you know. But in that particular case, whatever that sickness was, uh, and, of course, we don't know the details of it, but for whatever reason, figs were, were the cure for that thing. But how did Isaiah know it? He knew it supernaturally, amen? So even though it was a natural event, it was still... Uh, spoken to him supernaturally and so if the lord tells you supernaturally to do something in the natural realm you're not having confidence in the flesh you're having confidence in the spirit of god right in the faith that you have in god uh, and so so uh, and i say all that because it's so easy for us to to uh, have a knee-jerk reaction and say well then i'm gonna i'm never gonna do anything that makes sense in the flesh i'm gonna intentionally be excessive in everything that i do to to prove that god's my healer and you will die an early death, right? If all you eat is, is the fattiest fat foods, you know, and, and candy for all, all the time and have an IV hooked up to a, to a two-liter soda bottle, uh, you know, you're probably going to die young because you're in excess, right? 
and uh, and so you uh, so what's the what's the what's the guidelines it's there's no guidelines it's it's uh, whatever the spirit of god tells you to do amen uh, and if uh, and if you're sincere in that right uh, and not just making things up uh, then um, then you'll be okay amen uh, and so um, anyway the lord is good right so we don't have any confidence in flesh and, and so that's this was the paul was making the case is look you know i actually could have confidence in the flesh if i wanted to and then he starts going through uh, his resume right he said in verse five that he was circumcised the eighth day and of course that right there uh if if you go in the old covenant the rule about circumcision was on the eighth day is when you take the the the, the man child down to the temple or wherever and you have the priest circumcise the, the male child uh, as a token of the covenant that I have with God. Uh, and that, that basically sealed uh, or signified your covenant relationship with the Lord. Yeah, and it was a long time, of course, why the eighth day? Anybody know? I think some of you probably know. Uh, the eighth day, doctors found that, that the, the blood clotting ability of a baby peaks on the eighth day. And so when they get circumcised on the eighth day, then they'll, get, they'll heal up faster. So if you do it on the first day uh, without medication of any kind, then, then it takes longer to heal up. But on the eighth day, th- then their, their blood clotting ability uh, peaks on that day, and then it's to their advantage to, to wait until the eighth day to be circumcised. Now, of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin. So what was Paul's original name? Saul, right? Uh, uh, who was the first king of Israel? Saul, uh, what tribe was Saul from? Anybody know? If you had to guess, what would you guess? What's that? Benjamin, right? Uh, and so, because so he was Saul from the tribe of Benjamin. So who was he named after? He he was named well Saul or Paul was named after King Saul, right? Because King Saul was from the tribe of Benjamin. Uh, Paul previously was Saul was also from the tribe of Benjamin, right? Hebrew of the Hebrews, right? So now he's kind of bragging himself. I'm a Hebrew of the Hebrews as touching the law of Pharisee. Uh, and so, and tell him that he was a Pharisee told him everything they needed to know. Because a Pharisee's, you know, uh, a- any Jewish person could strive to follow the, the law. But the Pharisees made it a profession, right? They made it a, 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 uh, a goal to search the scriptures, find out what the law said, and do that better than everybody else. And really, just like Paul's doing here, uh, I have confidence in the flesh for these reasons. That was one of the reasons that the Pharisees did it, because they could say, hey, look at me. I'm so much better than you. I mean, it's just embarrassing, right? I mean, you know, go back home if you, uh, next time uh, if you want to try and actually be a real uh, Hebrew. Uh, and so as touching the law of Pharisees. So they were the strictest sex, sect of the Jewish nation, right? Uh, and their goal was to keep the law in its entirety, and, you know, they would not associate with certain people, right? They didn't like association with sinners, even in the nation of Israel, uh, people who had certain uh, uh, career paths, you know, uh, like uh, tax collectors and uh, different people like that, because uh, they didn't want to become unclean in their presence. And so they were just, you know, today we would call them snobs, right? You ever go around people who were so spiritual, they, they couldn't hang around anybody? Well, you know what that is? That, that's a... Uh, um, uh, that's a Pharisee, right? And uh, uh, my experience, my personal experience, as I have dealt with many Pharisees over the years, right? People are so good 
that, uh, that, that even Jesus wasn't good enough for him, right? Because Jesus showed up, and was he good enough for the Pharisees? No, they always looked down on him, like, oh, look at you, friend of the sinners, right? What's wrong with you, right? Um, doing all these things that, are, you know, wa- eating before you wash your hands, you know, what's wrong with you, right? Uh, and so um, the Pharisees were, were, were really snobby about, you know, it wasn't that they were sincere, humble servants of the Lord trying to do their best. You know, there's probably were some Pharisees who had that mindset, but a lot of the Pharisees were just, just snobby, right? Just, hey, look at me, I'm so good. I can't hardly stand it. Uh, and so, so he continues on with his resume. Yeah, he said, concerning zeal, persecuting the church. So, you know, you could be a Pharisee, but just kind of, you know, halfway there maybe. Uh, but Paul, you know, he went above and beyond. He was full of zeal, right? And, um, um, of course, uh, zeal without real knowledge, amen? And um, I think I've told you my story of great zeal without knowledge uh, was... When I was a teenager, uh, I was doing the dishes, and and uh, my mom had a uh, had a cast iron skillet, and it was all black, you know. And so I was cleaning it one day, and I, I happened to uh, uh, use a, a like steel wool to clean off some whatever food was cooked on there, and I noticed, wow, if I used a steel wool, that, that little spot turned gray. So I spent like an hour, uh, maybe more, uh, scrubbing this uh, cast iron skillet to back back to his pure gray, right? It's all black, you know, had a thousand years of, of carbon, you know, uh, burned on food, you know, and, and, um, uh, and so, you know, I got done, and I said, hey, look what I did, you know, and she just about in tears, just about in tears, right, because you know how long it takes to get that cast iron, because then it cooks the right way, right, tastes, everything tastes great, you know, and I mean, you, it looked like you could just put it back on a shelf. It was brand new, right, uh, and uh, that's zeal right there, right? It is complete and total ignorance, but it was complete zeal, right? Uh, and, and so uh, that's some real zeal, right? Uh, and so concerning zeal, he persecuted the church. Well, that's a really dumb thing to do, amen? Uh, but he did persecute the church, and yet uh, uh, in his effort to persecute the church, how many people died as a result of his persecution? I mean, we know one for sure, Stephen, right, in, in Acts chapter 7 there, when he was, when he was stoned to death. Uh, you reckon anybody else died as a result of his persecution? Sure. Uh, probably no, we don't. Uh, I mean, we don't know ha- what the number is, but uh, I imagine that, that there was a lot of people who died as, as a result of his persecution. He dragged them to the prisons, right? Uh, and the Romans, I didn't care. You know, if you were a Roman citizen, if you were just a Jewish person, I didn't care. You had no rights and privileges. If they treated you like a slave in the prisons. Uh, and so... Uh, <coughs> And, you know, the, the, thing, the thing that I love about the Lord is, as terrible as Paul was, the whole church was in fear of Paul, right, of him showing up. Of course, at that time, he was still called Saul. And did the Lord still pick them out of the crowd? Amen? Uh, and, and, you know, why, why Paul? Well, you know, I really think it's got as much to do with whatever Paul did, he did 100%. Before he was saved, 100%. After he got saved, 100%. Uh, and, you know, a lot of people that just, you know, they're, they're mushmelons before they get saved. You know, after they get saved, still a mushmelon. They still, you know, won't do much, won't, won't, won't uh, try hard for the Lord. You know, if it's not hard, they'll do it. If it's hard, you know, it's like, oh, it's too much work, and they just won't do it. You know, and, and that mentality is something that people develop over time, right? You didn't come out of the womb that way. But, you know, you have noticed some people just, they're just lazy, right? And, and, and some people are just always go-getters. Yeah. And, and uh, that's, that's, not, 
that's not necessarily their personality, how they came out of the womb, but that's the person they developed. They saw the need, and they motivated themselves to do that need. Uh, and so, so Paul was full of zeal. You know, zeal is good. Amen. We should all have zeal, right? You know, that, that inner drive, right, to, to excel and to be better. Uh, and I have, I've always wondered about Christians who, you know, some people, they're, just, they're fine with never improving themselves. They're fine with just whatever they know. And they don't, have, they, don't have, they don't have any interest in knowing anything else. You know, hey, I, I know about healing. You don't know about healing. Yeah, you know, yeah, I know everything I need to know. But you don't know anything about healing. Yeah, well, yeah, it don't matter. It's, you know, to me, you know, if I didn't know anything about healing and somebody came along and said, hey, God's a healer, I'd be like, what? Say that again. Why, why do you say that? How do you know that? What scripture do you, do you have that from? You know, any, any doctrine that I hear that I don't know anything about, I've got to know more about that. Where, what's the basis for that doctrine? How, how do you believe that? How do you know that? Where, where'd you come up with that? Uh, uh, that's zeal, right? And we should have that zeal with the Lord, amen? Uh, we should uh, look at our mirror and go, Lord, you know, uh, uh, i got to fix this, I've got to fix that, I've got to fix that. Well, I'm going to do it. Well, that's zeal. Zeal is not that you've arrived, you know, once you've arrived, there's not much need for zeal, right? Uh, but, of course, if you're, if you're wise, you'll know that you, none of us ever arrive, and so... We should have zeal really all the days of our lives, you know, that inner drive to be better, right, to know more, to pray harder, to believe uh, more of what the Word says, that zeal, amen? Uh, but his zeal prior to him being saved was um, in persecuting the church. And then, uh, and of course, um, he said, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless, and we'll talk about that in just a minute. But, uh, you know, the thing I like about Paul was... Uh, you know, Paul didn't, didn't go from, uh, and, it, and there's nothing really wrong with this, but Paul didn't go from being, you know, a fairly good person unsaved to a fairly good person saved, right? He would be from, from being a terrible person unsaved to being a, an amazing person saved, amen? Uh, and so there's a big change in his life. Uh, now, some people were trying to put on you that unless you did terrible things before you got saved, you know, you're not really saved, you know, I mean, God, God didn't really save you. Uh, and uh, you remember Jesus told the story uh, about um, uh, someone who, who, who was uh, forgiven, he, and he told about two different people, you know, one had done a lot of bad things, and the other one hadn't done so many bad things. And he said, uh, which one uh, will love the Lord more? And the answer was he who was forgiven more as opposed to he who sinned more. And Jesus said, you, you've, you've made the right answer. And, uh, and you, you gotta think, it's kind of subtle because a lot of people think that, that you have to sin more in order to love the Lord more. But no, you have to be forgiven more to love the Lord more. Well, what's the difference? Well, the difference is if you understand how the smallest infraction against the Lord is a grave trespass against the Lord, right? Even the smallest little thing, right, compared to the holiness of the Lord is a terrible thing. You know, uh, all it takes is for one person, is for a person to commit one sin, you know, is, is when they're growing up, right, they're alive unto God when they come into the world, but when they get to a certain age and they have the capacity to, to make a choice of right or wrong, they'll make the smallest choice in the wrong way and they'll, they will spend eternity in hell unless they get saved. One choice, right, one small thing, uh, because the, it's an infraction against the holiness of God. And so now a man, a man must be born again. Once he's born again, his eternal destiny is set in heaven. But before that, you know, the smallest infraction uh, against the Lord will, will send you to hell for eternity. 
That's not God being an unjust God. He's a just God because he gave you a way out, which is salvation. Amen. So it's not like he, he left you hanging there. Uh, and so, uh, but if you understand that, see, then you can understand how big forgiveness is for you. Even if you didn't do as many, quote, bad things as the next guy, you know that, that your small infraction in the world is sends you to the exact same place as somebody who's done terrible things. Amen. That, that my lack of, of murdering anybody doesn't make me any better spiritually than somebody who's, who's committed mass murder. Amen. From a spiritual standpoint, if all I've done is little sins before I got saved, I'm still on my way to hell. Amen. And so I, I understand how much I've been forgiven. I understand how big forgiveness is. And so because of that, I can love, love the Lord. But see, some people think unless you've done terrible things before you got saved, then you can never love the Lord as much as I love the Lord. Really, God's going to cap how much I love him based on my actions prior to getting saved. Does that even make any sense? Uh, no, it doesn't make any sense. But, but, but why do people say that? Because they like bragging rights. They like to, like to act like they're more righteous than you are. I'm more righteous than you because I've done worse things than you have. Well, did, did Paul uh, steal any money from his grandma? Well, no, that's a terrible thing, right? Did the Lord, did, I mean, I know people right now who stole their house from, uh, stole uh, houses from their parents. You know, uh, go and change the title, put their name on it, and, and then kick their parents out of the house. You know, that sounds like a terrible thing, and it is a terrible thing, and people do things like that. Is that worse than persecuting the church? I don't know. It sounds pretty bad to me, right? Uh, and so, uh, but I have met people over the years, you know, uh, they say, well, did you, did you smoke before you got saved? No. Did you, did you have illicit relationships with women before you got saved? Well, no. Did you do drugs before you got saved? No. Did you steal anything? Well, other than bubble gum when I was in sixth grade, no. Uh, you know, well, you know, then you can't love the Lord as much as I love the Lord. And it's embarrassing because, like, well, you know, you don't know anything, right? Because he didn't say who, who has sinned the more, love the Lord more. He said who has forgiven the most will love the Lord. Amen. Uh, and so, because, you know, uh, I was telling somebody, you know, they were just kind of bragging about the sins they committed before they got saved compared to the sins I committed before I got saved and how that because of that they can love the Lord more. And I said, well, you know, the thing is, prior, prior to us getting saved, we were on the exact same path to hell. Is that true? Well, it is true. And then I added, you know, I probably didn't need to add the second part, but I added, you would have probably got there before I would have, but, you know, uh, because of all your terrible sins. Uh, but we were on the same path, amen? Uh, and so, uh, but the thing about Paul that's nice is, did he commit those things? Did he persecute the church? He did, right? And, and in fact, uh, he mentioned this in Ephesians chapter 3, and verse 8. He says, Unto me, who am less than least of all saints, is grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Uh, and so, in fact, uh, I'm going to turn over to Ephesians 3, 8 there real quick so we can read that in context there. Uh, so in, in chapter, uh, Ephesians chapter 3, he says, um, In verse, uh, uh, in verse 7 here, Wherefore I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given, given unto me by the effectual working of his power unto me who am less than the least of all saints is this grace given that I should preach uh, among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Uh, and so uh, did he receive grace in that? Uh, sure he did, right? Um, and so, uh, but did he, did he do those things in ignorance? Uh, he did do those things in ignorance, right? He did those things, you know, not knowing everything that he sh should know because 
all things, all sin is committed in, in ignorance. If you really knew what you was doing and the ramifications of that, nobody would commit any sins. But even though he could mention this, that I, you know, uh, that uh, I had done these things, it didn't, it didn't hold him back. Right? A lot of times people's past will hold them back. Well, I've done these terrible things, and so God could never use me. Uh, well, that's you making that, that, that decision, right? What's God's thoughts about that? Is forgiveness not available? You know, and, and I've seen a lot of people try to tell other people that because you've committed some sin, God can never use you. You know, I, I, that, that would be, for me to say that I would have to be the judge of a human being and say, I stand in judgment over your life that God will never use you again. Now, I just, you know, unless I'm the head of the church, I don't, uh, or the Spirit of God specifically told me to say that, which I would find it hard to believe that the Spirit of God would tell me to say that their life is of no value the rest of their natural days. Um, because from my perspective, are you breathing air? Well, then there's still a shot to change, right? And if you're breathing air, then just change today. Uh, and, and, yeah, there may be times and seasons where if you do certain things, maybe you've got to go sit down for a while, right, and go learn some things, right? If, you're, if you've allowed your flesh to get out of control and, and you're preaching or something and, and you're doing things you ought not be doing, maybe go sit down, go to church, and listen to somebody else preach for a while and, and get your life straightened up. And then once it gets back on track, then continue on where the Lord, where the Lord has you, right? Uh, you know, I don't know why people... And I, but I've had people try to tell that to me. Oh, you because you don't. God can never use you. He used Paul. He he persecuted the church, uh, and uh, and he said he calls himself the least of all the saints. Why is that? Because he persecuted the church. That's why he thinks that. Now he thinks that, but also in every book that he wrote, what did he say? Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, called of God. Did he, did he ever act like he was unworthy to be who he was because of what he did in the past? No. You should never feel unworthy to be who you are based on your. Uh, decisions in the past, even if they're wrong, right? Uh, if you're called, you know, because what does uh, uh, Romans eleven twenty nine say? Uh, or, or in Ephesians, turn over to uh, Romans uh, eleven twenty nine here. It says here, uh, for the gifts and callings of God are what? Without repentance. What does that mean? Without repentance. Well, well, where do the gifts and callings of God come from? Kind of a, answers the question itself, right? They come from God, right? Yeah, good answer. Uh, they come from God. So the gifts and callings of God, uh, they, so they, they come from God, right? So does a man call himself? No, does, does a man put the, the, this word gifts here is the word charisma, right? Which is the means of the supernatural gifts of God uh, uh, listed in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 or 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So, uh, are you the one putting the gifts upon your own life? No. So if God puts those gifts on you and God calls you, then it says without repentance. Well, th you can look at that in two different ways, right? If God calls you, is he going to uncall you sometime? That means he would have to repent, right? That means he would have to change his mind and go, you know, I called you yesterday, but today, not so much. You know, today uh, I'm taking my calling back. Uh, go back, uh, go back to school, right? Go back to wherever you came from. Uh, it says they're without repentance. Amen. Uh, now, uh, what about you? If you know you're called, uh, can you can you decide tomorrow that you're not called anymore? Why? Be if you could, then you're repenting from that, right? You're changing course and direction. You were called yesterday. Today, you know, well, I, I was called yesterday, but I just don't want to do that anymore. Not because God 
has changed your course. You know, has, has, does God change courses of, of people's lives? Sure. I mean, just, just from uh, 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 Philip, right? What, do, what did Philip start doing in the church? In Acts chapter 6, what was his first job? He was a deacon, right? Now, before that, he was doing other things because the, 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 he had a good report. And so he was doing things, and then so he, he went from doing things to become a, a deacon, which is still doing things. Uh, and then what was uh, Philip's job later on? He was an evangelist, right? He was called Philip the Evangelist. So he progressed in his calling, right? He started out just being a helper in the church, to being a deacon in the church, to being an evangelist in the church. So he progressed in his calling. Uh, is, is that repenting of anything? No, it's just it's, it's being promoted in your calling. Every, every calling that you go, every progression is, is an upgrade from before that. Uh, what, did, what did Paul start doing uh, when he first got saved in Acts chapter 9? He, he said he immediately went and started preaching, right? Was, was he in any position? There was no position that he was in. He was just preaching, right? And then you get to Acts chapter 13. It says there was in a church certain prophets and teachers. And it names five of them. It uh, uh, starts with Barnabas and ends with Saul. And uh, so at that time, so Paul got saved in Acts chapter 9. By Acts chapter 13, he was uh, an, a, uh, a prophet and a teacher, Right, because he because he talks about revelations and things that would qualify him as a prophet, he was teaching the word of God, so he was a prophet and a teacher. But then later on in all of his writings, what does he call himself? Paul, what? An apostle, right? So he progressed from just uh, barely getting saved to preaching immediately, to being a prophet teacher, to being an apostle. So th was there progression in his call? There was progression in his call, uh, and. Uh, and that's okay, right? So there's no repentance in it. It's just the Lord moved him from one position to another position. Amen. But I know people, in fact, I remember years ago, there was a, a pastor, or not, not a pastor, it was an evangelist that would come to, to our church where my pastor was at. And he would have him come about once a year or so. And um, one time he got up and said, well, you won't be seeing me anymore. So, and they were like, well, why not? He said, well, you know, my wife doesn't like me traveling, so I'm going to pastor a church now. But he was an evangelist. But now he's going to pastor. But why is he going to pastor? Because of what his wife wants him to do, right? His wife doesn't want him to travel. And so, so what he's doing, he's repenting from the call of being an evangelist to now being a pastor, right? And, and I didn't know anything back then, but I just, in my heart, it just it seems wrong, you know? He just decided, he decided he's going to start being a pastor now because, you know, pastors got it easy, right? We sit around, we don't do anything. We've got, we just, you know, just... Uh, get up pulpit we only work two hours a week or so right and so the rest of the time we just get to do nothing and so it's easy right the easiest thing in the world to be a pastor and um, but i know a lot of evangelists and a lot of, i know some evangelists who they only have like three to five messages and they just go from one place to another place to preach one of those three to five messages and then they go you know preach another one somewhere else right and so so how much studying they're doing well they only have three to five messages so you know i think one of them had like seven right he's like way out there seven messages and but that's it. He preached one, one of those seven messages everywhere he went. And so he wasn't learning anything new. He just, you know, rehashing everything he'd already taught before. Uh, and so, so the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. Amen. So Paul was called to be a minister of the gospel. And even though he had done these things wrong, it didn't hold him back. Right. Some people hold themselves back. In fact, you know, a friend of mine, uh, uh, as long as I've known him, he said, I'm called to be a pastor, called to be a pastor. And it's the oddest thing because uh, he, was, he was with me when I was with my pastor at his church. 
there's a, a church in a city next next to our city, uh, one city over, where the pastor was retiring. And he specifically called my pastor up and said, hey, you got anybody in your church that would make a good pastor because I'm retiring. You know, we don't really have a good uh, a good uh, person to pick this church up. We just want to give him a church. He said, hey, why don't you take this church? No, I don't, I, I don't want to. I'm like, what? Well, I mean, it's, it's a church, free church, right? Just, everything's already set up. You already got the building, got the, you know, all the accounts set up, everything, you know, just walk in. Just, you know, wouldn't that be nice to walk in, right? And, of course, some people like to do that, that they try to take over a church. Why? Because it's so easy. I mean, you just take over the church, throw out the pastor, and they get all the building, get all the accounts set up. Everything's all nice, and all the people are there, right? Signs are already up there. All you got to do is change the, the sign on the office, and you're done. You know, they don't want to go start an empty building and hope for the best, right? That's a lot of work. Uh, and so, but he didn't do it. He wouldn't do it. And I, and I still don't know why he didn't do it, you know. And then years later, you know, he, he just, uh, uh, he, he, I guess that's been, uh, well, this is my pastor's been gone for 15 years now. Uh, and so um, he's still not a pastor after all these years, probably been 20 years, you know. And, and uh, well, why not? Well, he just, he just felt unworthy, right? In fact, when we were going through Bible school together, uh, you know, you, you, you got so far, and then after a while, you know, do you want to get a doctorate degree in theology, right? That's one of the options. You know, you keep on studying, keep on studying, and eventually, if you want to, you can pursue getting a doctorate degree. And so, you know, they said, hey, you know, we're going to offer this uh, next term. Do you want to start that process? Because you can't do it in one term. It takes several terms to do that. Uh, and so, oh, yeah, I'm going to do that because, you know, it's it's not about the goal of getting the doctorate degree. It's about what you learn in order to get the doctorate degree, right? Uh, and so um, I said, you going to do that? No, no. Why not? Well, I just, I'm just not. Well, I, I knew when he paused that there was a reason. So now i got to know, right? You know, cause we were friends, you know, and, and um, I said, well, you got, you know, why, why don't you want to get a doctorate degree? Uh, well, you know, you got to tell me. I, I want to know. you got to tell me. He said, I, I just don't feel worthy to get a doctorate degree. And, and look, we were friends. And I said, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Because isn't it the dumbest thing you've ever heard? How does a piece of paper, how do you qualify as, as a value of your worth of your life uh, to exchange that for a piece of, literally a piece of paper? That's all it is, a piece of paper, right? It's nothing more than that. It's just a piece of paper. Does it mean anything spiritually? No, it doesn't mean anything, right? Uh, and, and so... Uh, I said, that's the dumbest thing. He never did get his doctorate degree. Why? Because he was unworthy. Well, that just doesn't make any sense. And maybe that's why he never was a pastor, because he feels unworthy to stand in that office. You know, maybe, that is, maybe that's the case. I don't know. But, but who's doing that? Is God making him unworthy? No, it's not God making him unworthy. It's him, himself. I feel unworthy. Well, then get in faith and get worthy. You know, I mean, Jesus made you worthy, didn't he say he made us meet to be partakers? of the inheritance of saints and lights. You know, he's the one who made us worthy to receive the blessings of heaven, not our good works, amen? And he never overcame that. He still, now, in fact, the Lord told me to tell him that one time, that, you know, the Lord said, you know, uh, the gifts of college are, are without repentance. That means you can't repent either, right? We all, we all like to know that God doesn't repent, but that means you can't repent either. You can't just decide, Lord, I've done so many bad things, I cannot be a minister anymore. The call is there. The, the call is there. The call is there. It was there before the foundation of the world, right? It was there before there was a, a star in the sky, a blade of grass on the ground, a, a leaf on the tree. The call was there, amen, before he even created Adam. Your call was there. You can't, you can't just not have the call, amen? 
Now, you, you can do things to make it better. You can do things to make it worse. You can do things to, you know, to where you enjoy the call. You can do things to make it where you hate the call. You know, some people, they, they, they despise preaching. Right? They despise, you know, even though they're called. And when we became pastors, you know, um, we talked to several pastors. And how many of them said, you know, we said, hey, we're starting a church. Oh, I'm sorry. You know, if, if you asked me a year ago, don't ever do that. Worst decision I ever made in my life was to be a pastor or a pastor's wife. Uh, and I thought, maybe we need to pick the wrong people, right, <laughs> to go talk to. <laughs> but, uh, but, um, but why? Well, you know, I, I think it's just because in our own mind, you know, because uh, either the gifts and callings are there or they're not there. Either the, either the calling is there or it's not there. If it's there, you know, I, I didn't become a pastor till well, let's see, I've been pastoring for 14 years now, so my early 40s I became a pastor. That's a little late for a lot of pastors, right? A lot of pastors start way earlier than that. Uh, and there's some reasons for that, but but I never not thought. I mean, when we got married, what did I say when we got when uh, you know our, my pastor sat down and talked to us? You know, what are you planning? You know, do you feel like you're called to ministry? He said, Oh yeah, I'll be in the ministry someday. Didn't I tell him that? And she said, What do you think about that? He asked you, right? Well, you're all 100 percent for it, right? And we didn't know what they'd look like, but that was the day we got married, 33 years ago. We said, I'll be in the ministry someday, right? And, and so it was never it was never a question. Uh, of if right it was just a question of when and and um, i've always felt like i've been a few years behind so i gotta play catch up right i gotta work a little harder to catch up uh, with these things and and i'm just gonna have to live longer to to make up for it right and so that's my plan right i'll catch up i work harder and then i'll live longer to get everything done uh and so what's that he redeems the time right uh and uh, and he's faithful amen uh now even all even though i didn't start till i was in my 40s what was I doing before then? I was studying. I was praying. I was, you know, if, if there was any ministry opportunities at the church, I was doing it, right? Adult Sunday school class, healings, or not healing school, but uh, uh, jail ministry, right? Just anything. Anything I could do to, uh, what's that? Nursing home, right? I mean, I was preaching a nursing home one day, and one lady, she, she got hot, so she just started taking her blouse off in the middle of the service, right? She just started undressing, right? I mean, it's a little tough to, you know, you, I mean, what? Where do you go from there, right? And they, they had come drag her out of the, uh, the meeting there. You know, you can't undress it. Come here. You know, Grandma, come on. Come here. You know, quit taking your clothes off. Uh, and so, but you got to do what you got to do, right? You, you got to, because you, you learn. You're practicing, right? You're, you're getting ready for the day that you're there. And so, um, you know, and, and, it's, and then it happened. Amen. It finally happened after all those years. And, but it wasn't like it was, it wasn't like it was, wow, what do I do now? It was the same thing I'd been preparing for for years, right? I didn't. You know, from the from when I got when I got saved as 15 years old, you know, I I was buying uh, Vines concordances and Strong's dictionary or Strong's concordances, Vines dictionaries and uh, Naves topical Bibles and uh, Greek and uh, uh, English interlinear Bibles. And uh, I just thought every teenager did that. Right. I just thought every teenager read the whole Bible through. And I just thought everybody did that. And, and well. That's not really what more, most teenagers are doing. Well, why not? Well, well, why did I do that? Because the call was there. I didn't know how. I didn't know what it looked like. I didn't understand it, you know. And, and that's why the Lord, uh, some of the paths that the Lord had me go on, is because I didn't know. I, you know, I, I didn't grow up in church. I didn't understand understand the ministry. I thought the ministry was just some mysterious. You know, who could actually become a minister? You know, I didn't. You know, and and other things happened too that uh, uh, along the way. But but I never I never thought. I'm not ever going to be a minister. It just it, it never crossed my mind. I didn't know what it was going to look like, how I'd get there, but uh, but I always knew it would be there. Amen. 
Uh, and, you know, I believe there's other things the Lord has for me to do that how are they going to happen? I have no idea. And I just leave that on him because it's not my job. It's his job to do those things. Amen. He'll, he'll figure it out. Uh, and, um, you know, I believe like our book that we wrote back there, every Christian in our world ought to have one of those books. Well, you know, we've sold hundreds of copies of that book, which is great. But, you know, we ought to be able to sell 100,000 copies of those books. It's that To me, it's that good, right? It's just a reference book. And even the other books that we've written, the doctrine books, you know, they're really good. You know, the book on, on uh, healing the brokenhearted. I think that's one of the most amazing books. You know, I, you know I, I go back and read that book myself on a regular basis, right? Uh, I mean, I've read it, I can't tell you, half a dozen times at least, maybe more over the years. And I think, wow, I wish I had written this book. And I look over, oh, I did write this book. Uh, and, and look, I'm not trying to sell books. If you want, I'll just give you a book. I'm not trying to sell a book or anything. You know, I'm just, uh, that's just a call of God on my life. Amen. Uh, but see, the, uh, Paul, even though he did those things, it was not a hindrance to his, to his life. Amen. And that, that's the whole point, you know. Uh, in fact, he said in 2 Corinthians 7, 2, he said, Receive us. Uh, we have wronged no man. We have corrupted no man. We have defrauded no man. Well, what did Paul, the not apostle, do before he got saved? He wronged plenty of people. He corrupted lots of people, and he defrauded a lot of people, didn't he? He did all of those things, and yet he says, we've done none of those things. Well, why is he able to say that? Because the man who did those things got born again, right? What if you, what if you wronged, defrauded, and corrupted people after you got saved? Could you not repent from those things? I mean, technically you say, well, I've not done that. You know, as far as the Lord's concerned, you didn't do it. And isn't he the judge of it anyway? Uh, and so... You know, Paul, Paul is not lying here. He's just saying, look, uh, you know, the, the old me may have done those things, but, but the new me, I didn't do those things. The new me has done any of those things. Uh, and, uh, and I'm going to live that way. Amen. You know, if you've repented, you need to live as if you never did that. A lot of people will repent and then live like they're still doing that. Uh, Lord, I'm just, I'm unworthy. Uh, I, I can't, I can never be a minister, Lord, because I made that mistake. And I understand, like I said, you need to find wisdom if you've done some certain things, right? To maybe, maybe you need to sit down for the ministry for a while if you can't control your flesh. And, but again, you, you're not removing the call. You're just, you're just getting things back in order, amen? And so, uh, and, and, then he, and then, of course, he brags a little bit later on in 2 Corinthians eleven twenty three. He says, are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more in labors more abundant and stripes above measure and prisons more frequent and deaths oft. So, uh, he labored more abundantly than all the other ministers. Amen. Uh, and, and why is that? Well, that's part of the zeal of Paul. Amen. That was his zeal. And really, all of us should have that same zeal. Amen. None of us should rest on our laurels. And, well, it's just easy, you know, just, you know, I mean, uh, I just, I don't I, I know uh, years ago, a friend of mine asked me, he said, uh, where, do you, where, do you get your, where do you get your sermons from? You just like a book of sermons? And I'm thinking, you know, if I used a book of sermons, and they sell them, right? You can go a thousand sermons, right? Thousand one sermons for preachers. You, you just start at one, number one, and just just you know, copy and paste. You know, just don't even don't have to study. Wouldn't that be great? Don't have to study or nothing. Uh, and you know, I'll I'll use notes for, uh, or you know books or something as as reference material, but I'm not going to copy paste anything. You know, even if it's a Brother Hagen message that I love, I'll go through every verse, find all the other cross references of the verse, find all the Greek Hebrew words in that verses. You know, I've never just copy and paste it a, a sermon and just well that's good enough right uh there's just no way right uh and so and i'm thinking if if uh, my pastor knew I, I bought a book like that 
he would tan my hide, no doubt. Uh, and so, uh, so can we can we do these things? Can we live a life uh, as if the callings of God are without repentance? Well, sure we can, right? Uh, what if you've made a mistake? Well, then you've got to repent. And see, a person of great faith will repent and then live as if they didn't do any of those things. Amen. Uh, and I don't mean, you know, that you don't ever apologize. You don't go make things right. You know, some of the times you have to do those things. I'm just saying as far as you're not going to just throw your life uh, in a ditch as if it's no, no value to the Lord. Because if he called you, he called you. Amen. And uh, and so. Uh, so we, we have to do that. And we and, and I like Paul's example to us. Right. That, that he to me, he's a great example. Amen. That uh, even though he's kind of bragging on himself in a, in a foolish way in Philippians chapter 3, you know, he doesn't really, because later on he says, you know, all this stuff is of no value to me. You know, I'm, just, I'm just saying I could depend on these things, but I don't. Uh, and he, go, he goes on that uh, in the next verses there. But um, uh, So uh, let's learn from Paul's example, amen? All the things, all of his great things he did before he got saved, of no value to him. Uh, but he's still zealous now. He's still working hard. He's still laboring abundantly more than everybody else right labor's more abundant what is he what is he doing he's praying more he's studying more he's reading more he, he's just working hard at it amen he's not giving it up uh, and i was doing those things long before i was a minister amen studying and reading and, and things and, and so uh, the lord is good amen so let's pray and thank the lord for his word today so father we do thank you for your word and lord we thank you that uh, whatever talents and abilities we have in our own flesh whatever knowledge we have in our own flesh father we don't depend on it. Even if we have great knowledge, even if we have great skills, even if we get talents, Father, uh, we, we have no confidence in the flesh to, to, that our flesh is the way that we will survive, that our flesh is the way that we will, we will prosper, Father, that our flesh is the way that we will live long on this earth. Father, we have no confidence in that. We have confidence in your word and your spirit. Father, your word declares that we can have long life. It doesn't prescribe, Father, the specifics of that, that it, it's only available if we do certain things live a certain way live in a certain country drink certain things walk so many steps there's no prescription for that father it's just you said that you would grant us long life father if we just do what you say and so father we have no confidence in the flesh we have confidence in you father and and lord we thank you for these things we give you the praise and the honor for it, lord in jesus name amen well praise god uh, i about preach myself happy that's uh uh I'd encourage you just meditate on that verse a lot. Amen. Meditate on your verse. Your flesh is not what makes you successful. Amen. Your talents and abilities are not what makes you, your education or, or knowledge are not what makes you successful. It is the Lord. Amen. Uh, and so let's get ready to receive this evening's offering. And, and so don't forget uh, Friday at five o'clock. We're going to be here uh, putting the bags together for the uh, uh, the Christmas bags for uh, the Ray County inmates. And the next Wednesday at 3 p.m., we're going to take them over there. So we may need some help getting them over there because uh, there's a lot of those bags, right? And so we'll probably need a few vehicles to take them over there. And we don't know what's going to happen if we just drop them off or if we get to go and, and deliver them or what, you know. Uh, we'll find all that out in there. So uh, we, we will go and, and do whatever they tell us to do, right, because they're in charge. We don't want to become clients of the jail, you know, by demanding our rights, right? And so... Come ahead, Mr. Jared, and receive the offering. And so <clears throat> I tell people uh, lots of times, yeah, I've been in jail lots of times. And uh, look at your funny, like, what? You know? <laughs> That's it.
Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're not allowed to touch it unless the owner gives you permission, right? Uh, and so, well, if we, see your, if we see your picture in the post office, we'll know what happened then, right? Yep, she touched that dog. I knew she was going to do it. I knew it. I just knew she was going to touch that dog. Yeah, yeah, really, wow. <laughs> well, you'll bail her out? Well, I'll come visit you. Yeah, I'll let her bail you out, but I'll come visit you, you know. I'll pray with you and all this stuff, right? So, uh, <laughs> all right, so uh, uh, Friday, 5 p.m., and then uh, next Wednesday, right? Anything else, Any, nothing unusual going on on Sunday, right? Uh, but we'll be here, just church, right? Not just church, church is awesome, right? So, all right, we'll see you all uh, Friday at 5 p.m.